Who Gets to Decide, a liberty-based podcast that brings a little piece of sanity to a confused society drowning in a culture of craziness. And here is your host, Seth Martin. All right. What's up, everybody? And welcome to another episode of Who Gets to Decide. This is Seth Martin, your host. Thank you for joining me this evening. Glad you're here and always happy you're listening. Well, the news has been so crazy lately. It's really been hard to focus on what to talk about and how it applies to your liberty and your freedom in America. And so I thought, you know, Tucker kind of did this thing on the media and what would a, a vigilant media talk about? And he bring it's kind of a potpourri of things. And so I thought I would just use that. Uh, that's what Tom Woods always calls it a potpourri of topics. So uh, I thought I would use that to talk about some of the things that are going on in the world and why um, our government is screwing it up and how it's going to impact your liberty, your freedom, your ability to to literally make it in America. Um, you know, it's no secret that costs everywhere are going sky high. Um, this, and, and, and one of them is not your salary probably. Uh, and this is causing major problems for people. I mean, um, their ability to, uh, pay for the obligations they've signed on for their ability to, uh, put gasoline in their tank. Although I saw, you know, crude oil is coming down a little bit, so that'll help some, um, medical is crazy. Um, you know, I mean, the dentist the other day for just pulling out the laser and, tick, 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 you know, a little bit on my wife's teeth charged $500. I mean, make sure if they're going to use a laser on you at the dentist, you ask them how much they're going to charge you because that damn thing is expensive. And my understanding is it really doesn't do that much, but I'm getting off topic. Bottom line is all these things are getting to be expensive and, uh, which makes your life expensive. Now, when you signed on for your home or your car uh, or some of these things, you didn't realize that uh, your costs were going to be going up this much. Uh, just even in your home, let, let's say you haven't moved or anything, uh, but your taxes are going up, right? Because they've raised the value on your house 10 or 20%. So it, it's just, um, it's becoming increasingly difficult, I think, for even, even, middle-class people, uh, and even upper middle-class people to manage what they've signed on for. Um, I, I can tell you that our home insurance, my car insurance, all that is stuff, all that stuff is way more expensive than it was just two years ago. And, um, and in some cases, 40% or more. So, you know, these are big numbers and, um, and meanwhile, you know, the country, the, the leadership of the country diddles, you know, it's or fiddles, whatever the saying is, you know, Nero fiddled while Rome burned. I mean, that's kind of what's happening in America. You've got, you've got America is burning. Now it's the signs of it aren't obvious yet to everybody, but they're coming. They're, they're just around the corner. And, uh, and you've got uh, the Biden administration, the entire Congress, um, even the courts, you know, the, the whole thing, 
the justice system, we've talked that a lot, a lot about that. Uh, the whole thing fiddles or diddles, whatever the term is, while America is burning. And these people have so mismanaged our country that, that uh, the impacts to your uh, standard of living, your, um, your liberty, um, your, your overall ability to make your way in America, these are, these are going to be extremely impactful um, going forward. So I want I want to use this Tucker episode to just put together a little potpourri of responses on these various topics and and hopefully you enjoy it. I think it's um, rather than drill down real deep on one thing, I think I'm just gonna try to point out a few things about a bunch of these topics and I think that'll be helpful. Let's imagine instead that we live somewhere completely different in a country where the media felt obligated to tell you what was actually happening in the world and why it matters. What stories would we be talking about right now if we lived in that country? Well, here are the first two. Earlier this month, Iran and Saudi Arabia, the two most significant powers in the Muslim world, announced that after generations of proxy wars and snarling hostility to one another, they will be resuming diplomatic relations. Peace has broken out between blood enemies. As recently as last year, very few would have thought that could happen. And now it has happened. And it's happened, and here's a significant thing from an American perspective, it's happened because China, not the U.S. State Department, but the communist Chinese government, brokered the deal. The world's largest atheist state has halted religious conflict between two theocracies. Did you see that coming? Probably not. This is very significant. You know, if you, if you just think about how Republicans and Democrats can't get along, uh, just, just imagine um, two diametrically opposed, uh, they're not religions, they're different sects of a religion. So the Saudis are, are what we call Sunni. They're Sunni Muslim. And not, not only that, but they're very specific um, type of Sunni Muslim. And their particular branch is called Wahhabism, which is uh, named after uh, an Islamic preacher that I think lived in the 18th century. Anyway, and on the other side, you know, with Iran, you have uh, Shia Muslims. And so these are these groups of people don't even get along in their own country. Like, for example, in Iraq, um, you had um, the Shias were the majority but Saddam Hussein was a Sunni and just terrorized, you know, the Shia that lived there. And in fact, several times the Shia, there were uprisings in, in Iraq and, um, you know, Saddam Hussein put those down by killing a bunch of the Shia Muslims. So you got this huge rivalry between uh, Shia and Sunni Muslims. And then the Wahhabism is, is even more strict, really, because... Um, they don't allow women to do certain things. It's it's uh, it's kind of akin to um, the uh, Taliban almost. Not quite as bad, but like kind of like the Taliban in um, Afghanistan. So this is this is pretty significant. And and who's brokering this deal? Who's who's the wizard behind the scenes? The Chinese. So the Chinese are in olive branch mode. They are they are offering olive branches to people. They are trying to um, gather 
about 80% of the global population that lives along this old uh, Silk Road, what was known as the Silk Road years ago. And the Chinese are, are putting together what they call the Belt and Road Project. And this is, this is uh, assembling nations uh, to trade with, to bring under their currency. And we've, we've talked about this on this program. And this is going to be absolutely devastating for the dollar. Now, um, you know, Tucker doesn't really talk about that too much. But if, if China successfully, and, and we'll hear about uh, Russia here in a second, but if they can successfully drive a wedge into dollar denomination globally, uh, we we got a different ball game going on, and it's going to impact your standard of living in a huge way. Now, the good news is the United States of America is has a capital stock that is I don't know, a hundred and fifty trillion dollars or something. I mean, we've got uh, we we could get back to work and start making products, and we're big enough that we could just make them for ourselves. But the reality is this is going to, in the short run, it's going to be very devastating for the United States of America. And really, nobody sees this coming. I mean, you, you very, very, very few people talking about this. Yesterday, China's President Xi turned up in Moscow to announce a new partnership with Russia. Going forward, Russia will supply much of China's oil and natural gas. Vladimir Putin also agreed to use Chinese currency in trade with Asia, Africa, and Latin America. Once again, holy smokes. As with the Iran-Saudi summit, very few people imagined anything like this could happen just 18 months ago. Quote, change that hasn't happened in 100 years, Xi said, is coming, and we are driving this change together. Now, what change was Xi talking about? Well, the end of American global hegemony, the end of the U.S. dollar as the world's reserve currency. For 100 years, he got it right, since the close of the First World War, the United States has been the preeminent nation on Earth. For 40 of those years, we were locked in a Cold War with the Soviet Union, of course. But at no time, no matter what they may have claimed, was there ever really a question about who was the most powerful country. We were the most powerful country. It was the American era. That era just ended, a little over two years into Joe Biden's presidency. To blame this on Joe Biden, I think, is missing the point. Uh, I would say since 2000, I would say peak prosperity in America was in the year 2000. The, we, it's, it's, it's unbelievable how much money we spent uh, waging war in the Middle East for nothing. I mean, just basically for nothing. Because we don't like those people, uh, because some radicals that were from Saudi Arabia, and Saudi Arabia didn't even suffer any any backlash out of that all the all the pilots all the uh, people that flew airplanes into buildings on september 11th were all saudis but we we invaded afghanistan we shot bullets into rocks and you know up ended uh saddam hussein and wrecked you know iraq and then went over and overthrew syria i mean we just we we were like a bulldozer in the middle east but you know, we lost, we, we spent a lot of money. We, we, we racked up a lot of debt. We made advances in technology that are now being used against the citizenry. I mean, the, the Patriot Act alone was just enormously devastating uh, to, to the liberty of the individual American in this country. And we don't even, 
we, we haven't even seen, in my opinion, the full fallout from all this. This is just what's coming. But, um, you know, China has a different approach. China sees this as an opportunity to basically drive a wedge into this dollar hegemony that, that, uh, that Tucker's talking about. And he's right. We, I don't know about World War I, but certainly since the aftermath of World War II and the Bretton Woods Conference, uh, dollar has been the king. I mean, that was, that was, that's what led to um, the world's reserve currency, all the countries agreeing to that, is after World War II, everything was destroyed, and the U.S. had all the gold, and we manufactured everything that was used in the world. So um, the idea was, that why don't we use the dollar to trade with? But amazingly, no one in this country seems to notice that it happened. That story is not leading the news tonight. Instead, we're arguing about whether or not to arrest Donald Trump for a fake crime to keep him from running for president again. Over at the White House, our senile president just gave some sort of medal to a sitcom actress, presumably for her bravery. You read those scripts so boldly. CNN is covering that story like it's the moonwalk. On Twitter, meanwhile, people seem excited that our vice president has sent a letter to a transvestite TikTok star called Dylan Mulvaney, who is famous for dressing like a six-year-old girl. Kamala Harris is very proud of him. That's the news we're getting. It is Weimar, but dumber. What I think of when I hear these stories is I think historically about uh, the fall of the Roman Empire and, and uh, you know, what they called bread and circus. Just keep the people busy with bread and circus. And, you know, while the, the last uh, politicians, you know, pilfer the last remaining wealth from the country. I mean, that's, that's what I think of. That's what I think is probably happening. You know, they, they keep us busy with all this stuff, you know, about transgender people and, you know, this person's rights or this group's rights. Meanwhile, the banking system is on fire and all the rich people are getting their money out of it, buying gold or whatever, sending it overseas and, you know, just getting the last bit of money out of the country before the whole thing comes crumbling down. And, you know, who's going to be stuck with it? You and I, you know, the people that, that uh, have to work every day and, and, and just try to figure out how to make their lives work with what little they have. So it's, it's, a, it's a problem. I know this sounds pessimistic, but how do you explain? I mean, look at, look at we've talked about this before, but after Occupy Wall Street, you know, after the banking bailout last time, look at, look at what happened after that. Do you think it's any secret that banks now sponsor, you know, transgender people and, and parades. You know, the floats are sponsored by Bank of America or whatever. The whole thing is like a distraction. There, there's, there, it's, it's, it's like the magician's trick, right? Misdirection. Look over here while I actually fool you over here. I think that's what's happening in America. And we're all fooling for it. You know, the, the useful idiots have, are, are hooked uh, they've been hooked in the mouth. They've, they've taken it hook, line and sinker. And, um, you know, I don't, you know, I don't know what you do about it, but I think that's, that's where we're at. Meanwhile, the world beyond morning Joe is changing faster than any time. And well, as chairman G correctly noted about a hundred years, none of these changes will make life better for your grandchildren. But since many Americans don't even know they're happening, the outcry here has been limited to a few insightful but deeply frustrated bloggers on social media. They see clearly what's happening. No one else seems to. It's driving them insane. There are still people in this country, for example, 
who seem to believe that the so-called climate agenda is actually about the climate or about the environment of the earth or something, and not a coordinated effort by the government of China to hobble the US and the West and take its place as the leader of the world, which of course is exactly what's going on. It's pretty obvious when you think about it, but most people don't get a chance to think about it because the propaganda is just too thick. It's unceasing, it never ends. Here's the latest on the front page of papers around the country. The head of the United Nations demanding the United States blow up its own economy, otherwise the world will end. Humans are responsible for virtually all global heating over the last 200 years. The rate of temperature rise in the last half century is the highest in 2,000 years. Concentrations of carbon dioxide are at their highest in at least 2 million years. The climate time bomb is ticking. The climate change agenda is, is another type of distraction, but it's a distraction for the productive class. You know, uh, the productive class is a, is a lot, I would say, they're less likely to be useful idiots than this uh, political class that's, uh, you know, these, these woke people and these people that are so, you know, look, everybody is in this Democrat bad, Republican good, or Republican bad, Democrat good mo uh, mode, you know, and it's very distracting. It's, 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 uh, even our politicians, our people in Congress are this way. And so all this transgender stuff, all this social and woke stuff, that's designed, in my opinion, to distract all those people. It's designed to distract people who are interested in the blue team and the red team. Okay? The, the, the climate agenda is another type of distraction, but it's distracted. It's, it's designed to distract the, the business class, the class that really, they don't, they're really apolitical. They don't really care as long as they make money. And so what, they've, what the government has done is they've made it so that the business class can make money off of this thing. But it's a distraction, and it won't lead to real prosperity because it's just it's physics. You just can't buck physics. And um, you could throw some windmills up and have some people feel good, but we're never going to replace. Whatever we're going to replace oil and gas and coal with doesn't exist today. That's the hard truth. And if you if you don't believe me, go go spend as much time as I have looking into this and you will be convinced because there is just no evidence that batteries and windmills and solar panels are going to uh, supply the energy that an economy like ours needs today. And I don't care what this guy at the UN says. He, he might as well, look, what they're asking us to do is to stick a gun to our head and pull the trigger. And that's just not going to happen. People are not going to just commit mass suicide because uh, they want to live off, you know, solar panels and windmills. I, I just don't believe that's going to happen. So, but I think what will happen is by the time it becomes obvious, we will have spent and lost so much money that it we it, it's like we just took a big pile of money and just burned it, just sent it up in flames. And I think that is likely to happen because it's going to take some time before the business class figures out that there's no future in this. And you should also remember that the United Nations has been saying pretty much the same thing since at least 1989. That's the year that the Associated Press reported that, and we're quoting, a senior UN environmental official says entire nations could be wiped off the face of the earth by rising sea levels if the global warming trend is not reversed by the year 2000. 
That was 34 years ago. Happy to report we're still here. So has the science changed? Well, apparently it has. Not that anyone will acknowledge that. But the shouting remains exactly the same. And the AP doesn't seem to have archives it can check to find out, have we written the story before? So they just keep writing the same story. Two days ago, they wrote this, and we're quoting. Humanity still has a chance, close to the last, to prevent the worst of climate change's future harms, a top United Nations panel of scientists said Monday. But doing so requires quickly slashing nearly two-thirds of carbon pollution by 2035. There's even a quote from the UN Secretary General. Again, not a scientist, a puppet of China, but pretty good at slogans. And we're quoting, humanity is on thin ice, and that ice is melting fast. What's melting fast is our standard of living. <laughs> inflation, you know, inflation is ravaging our standard of living. And the government is still doing dumb things at every turn. And so there's really no hope that <laughs> I think they're going to turn around. I think they're just, we're just going to run headlong into a brick wall or whatever. But, you know, if COVID, let me just say this about science and government. If, if COVID didn't show us anything else, it showed us that science can actually be corrupted by government. You know, nothing that the government told us, literally nothing, okay? And we've We've chronicled a lot of it right here on who gets to decide, but nothing that the government said or did or kind of recommended, any of that was true. None of it was useful. None of it was true. None of it was helpful to individual Americans trying to figure out what they should do for themselves and their family. So what, what do you think the odds are that there's better science at the UN, okay, where even dumber people reside, okay, and and actually have less accountability than people in our government. So I, I you know, look, I don't put a whole lot of faith in this. The, you know, the, the internal combustion engine has only been around for like 130 years. So the fact that, you know, that uh, carbon dioxide has been going up for 200 years. Okay, what? Well, well, how was it going up before that? I guess it was coal, maybe. But you know, the implication is uh, that what man man doesn't have a right to survive on the planet. I mean, if if we're gonna have just a pristine planet, then there's no people here. Then what's the point, right? I mean, they're asking us to uh, you know commit collective suicide. Because here's the thing, you know. Poor societies don't usually produce good solutions for the environment. In fact, the environment and our carbon output in the United States, even though we're about the same size as China and maybe slightly bigger, maybe slightly smaller, our, our carbon emissions are about half of theirs. So what what is that all about? I mean, how is that possible? Well, that's possible because in richer societies, even though you're consuming a lot more, you have mitigation answers for all these problems. So how is making our society poor going to improve the environment? Well, let me just, let me just tell you, it's not. It's not. The, the best way to improve the environment is to maintain our wealth as a society. That's the best way to do it. Um, short of that, the environment's going to get worse. The water's going to get dirtier. The air's going to get dirtier. 
Um, if, if all of a sudden people have less money to pay in taxes and less money to, to support these efforts, it's going to have a negative impact on society, not, not a positive. So even if you think that human beings are destroying the planet, making us poor, making our economy smaller uh, is not going to fix the problem. It's going to make it worse. Just look at places like India. You know, their homes, they don't have plumbing and sewage and stuff like that. And raw sewage just washes out into the river. The same river that people are supposed to be getting their drinking water from. This is, this is the kind of thing that happens as your society becomes poor. Uh, there, there is just no way, outside of just killing, mass killing a bunch of people, and maybe that's the plan, I don't know. Uh, you know, we say on here all the time that governments in the last century killed 170 million people. I mean, maybe that's part of the plan. Maybe the plan is just to kill three or four billion people and, and solve it that way. I don't know, but uh, I certainly don't put any faith in what government scientists are saying. These, these are some of the dumbest scientists uh, and the least accountable scientists we have. And, and rather than science, I think what's going on is you've got a, a manufactured consensus, you know, just like we have in the intelligence community. They, they basically all agree that Donald Trump colluded with the Russians, and then they just drive that home until everybody believes it. And I think that's what's going on with climate change. I really do. I think to the extent human beings are impacting the climate, I don't think there's a damn thing government can do about it. But later in the report, the United Nations does say this, quote, actions that prioritize equity, climate justice, social justice, and inclusion lead to more sustainable outcomes, co-benefits, reduce trade-offs, support transformative change, and advance climate-resilient development. Adaptation responses are immediately needed to reduce rising climate risks, especially for the most vulnerable. Equity, inclusion, and just transitions are key to progress on adaptation and deep societal ambitions for accelerated migration. Try not to use a swear word on TV, but I think we know what that is. It's BS. This is just a word salad, okay? It doesn't mean anything. None of that stuff he said means anything. But what it can do, what it, the per, look, I don't have any evidence to support what I'm about to say, but I believe the purpose of this is so that leaders of companies can apply for money to get money from the government to do these projects that are basically uh, not profitable to do, not for anybody. But if you throw some words together like that, like equity and diversity, equity, inclusion, and equity and um, uh, sustainability and uh, mitigations for unwanted migration and I don't, you know, stuff like that, then you can get money. The government will send you money. This is why I always go back. Look, it, for me, it always goes back to the money. Not, not follow the money, but what is the nature of the money? Is the, is the nature of the money honest? Does, does the government come by money honestly? Well, of course not. It borrows money that it knows it can never repay, and then it prints it up and gives it to people to influence them, to, to influence them in the way it wants things to go. And so that, that's, that's the nature of dishonest money. Honest money comes 
for for the government to have honest money, they have to tax it. Anything they spend over and above what they tax is just dishonest. And I think we're spending, I don't know, $3 trillion a year more than we tax, something like that. So every year there's tr- $3 trillion that flows into our economy to manipulate businesses, to manipulate entrepreneurs, to manipulate governments, to manipulate all kinds of uh, people around the world, people and entities that the government wants to influence. But you can see that this is kind of running out. I mean, you got China over there going, yeah, we're going to we're going to work up our own gig over here. It looks like it's working out great for the U.S., so we're going to we're going to work out our deal. Now, China's not going to be successful at it either. But um, the the best way to uh, to bring the most amount of prosperity and in honest prosperity to populations around the world is to have honest money. Money that you acquire uh, by producing something of value that somebody else voluntarily pays for. That's the only way to do it. Otherwise, you get this bread and circus, this manipulation of the business world, this bread and circus of uh, wokeism and um, you know cultural uh, Marxism and cultural wars and things like that. None of these people would be fighting about any of this if we had honest money. Because the source of all this squabbling is they're fighting over the money from the government. They're all trying to position themselves to get, uh, to get their peace, to get their, their action. And this is just what happens when you have dishonest money. And so, you know, the reason I bring that up is we all need to be pushing for gold or silver or Bitcoin. I don't think, look, I don't think we're going to be going to the grocery store and giving Bitcoin for milk, right? We'll probably just have dollars, but dollars won't be backed by anything. It'll just be, I mean, the government could still print it if they want, but we'll have to settle all trade in Bitcoin. And that's going to keep everybody honest because there's only so much Bitcoin. And, and, and if you, if you're a country that wants to print money, that's between you and your citizens. That's the way something like Bitcoin would work. Just like the way gold would work. If we had gold as money, what would happen is countries that want to borrow and print money, like the United States, would suffer massive inflation. But we don't, we don't suffer, we're not suffering near the inflation we, we should be suffering because it's diluted. This, all this money we're creating is, is also being mopped up by every other citizen in the world, not just United States citizens. But if we had gold or we had Bitcoin, all this money printing would be causing massive inflation in America. And I mean, I'm talking like 100, 200% inflation. But because we can export all this inflation all over the world, we're sharing in, in all this wonderful inflation with other people in other countries. But eventually it's going to come to an end because the other countries, we're already starting to see this, like China and Russia, are not having it anymore. They, don't, they, see, they see weakness, they see an opening, and they're making a play to make a change. And when that happens, there's going to be hell to pay for us. And, it, you know, I, I hope you can see it. I hope you understand what, I'm, what it is I'm talking about. I mean, well, I'm sure we'll talk about it again. But this is, this is what our future looks like uh, unless we get a hold of this government. 
And I don't think we can get a hold of it. I think it's so out of control uh, on the money spending side that, I mean, we hadn't had a budget in like six years or something. Um, I know we haven't had a budget uh, uh, since Biden has been president. And maybe the last couple of years that Trump was president, we didn't, we didn't have a budget. I mean, how do you not have a budget? That just says, just spend whatever you want. And that's, that's what we get. Humanity is on thin ice, and that ice melting fast. That warning, courtesy of the United Nations Secretary General, made in tandem with a brand new United Nations report labeling the planet a ticking time bomb. It is worse than we ever thought it was going to be, and the time is ticking in order to defuse this climate bomb. The climate time bomb is ticking. That's according to the UN Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Changes report. There's no such thing as climate alarmism anymore. The, the, the time bomb is ticking. The new UN report warns the climate time bomb is ticking and the world is running out of time to avoid catastrophe. The propaganda on CNN is just amazing. I mean, I don't know how you can watch that program. If you're a watcher of CNN, God bless you. I can't even watch it for like research because it's just so stupid and over the top. But, you know, does that sound like science? I mean, again, you know, just look at COVID. I mean, the, the, the good thing about COVID is it came and went, right? The, the tough thing about this climate scientist and climate uh, alarmism is it, it can't really, it, it's not really going to end, right? Because it can just go on forever because they can say, they can just keep moving the goalpost. And eventually, you know, some generations die off and there's new generations that come on and they fall for it. Like we, we've been talking about this since the early 70s and we're still talking about it. I mean, that's 50 years, you know, so um, th this is something that can just go on and on and on unless people really put their foot down and say, enough already, enough of this shit. This is ridiculous. <laughs> There's no such thing as climate alarmism anymore. Nothing you say can be too extreme. It doesn't matter. That's science. For the Chinese, it's just so easy. How do you win a war without fighting? by getting your adversary to kill himself. Well, how do you convince a strong, self-respecting, powerful country like ours that has ruled the world for 100 years to do that? Turns out it's pretty easy. You take a collection of dumb, desperate people in middle age, hoping to keep on to their stupid TV jobs, you add scripts and some hairspray, and they just repeat the lies for you, and then all the people in the countries are not, yeah, that's exactly right, we gotta do that. Respect indigenous knowledge, stop driving our cars. And the amazing thing, it's kind of working. It's not just kind of working. It is working, and it's working very well. And how do you do it? You know, well, you, you get control of the money, and you print it. You, you basically, you know, since you don't have anything to, you don't have to do anything to get it, to actually produce it and send it around, you just print it up, you borrow it into existence, and you spread it around to people that will help you manufacture consensus. I mean, that's what's happening in America. This is why I, I just loathe getting into discussions with people about Democrats are bad and Republicans are good and aren't the Democrats crazy with all this wokeism. I mean, it's just like, please stop talking about that. That's not going to solve any of these problems. If you think you can vote for a Republican and that's going to solve these problems, you're, you're just mistaken. And by the same token, if you think you can vote for a Democrat 
and all's going to be better in America, your life is going to get better, you're just wrong. That's not going to happen. We have got to get people clued in to the root cause, as Kamala Harris likes to say. And the root cause is the money. That's it. Um, if you go study real economics and you read real history, you will come to the same conclusion. And many of you I know have read economics and real history and probably already know this. Uh, but there's just, I mean, the entire history of the world is, 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 is based on this subject. Who has the money? Who's got control of it? And what do they do with the control? It just that's just the way it is. In 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 the end, toward the end of the Roman Empire, they used to clip the edges of the coins off and then take those clippings and make more coins. That's how they did it then. What we're doing is like exponentially more uh, inflationary than that, and the Roman Empire ended. How long do you think it's going to be before this country ends? All right. Well, look, uh, I hope you've enjoyed today's program. Uh, I certainly enjoy bringing you these programs. Um, and if you do enjoy it, you know, share it, um, tell somebody about it, bring them kicking and screaming saying, Hey, you got to listen to this guy or whatever. Uh, but most importantly, as always come back and listen. And if you do come back and listen, I'll be here tomorrow to do it all over again on who gets to decide.